We are going to get in the Word of God now. Would you turn to the book of Jonah? Jonah. We're going to take a short break from a, of a specific study. We have uh, concluded our study on the book of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. That was a fun study. I don't know how many weeks it ended up being total, but uh, we did conclude that and uh, brought it to an end. And now before we jump into another particular book or area of study. I've had several recommendations from different people, areas that they were interested in or would like to have, uh, uh, you know, to dive into. And so we may take on one of those, but we're going to give it a few weeks just to kind of break in between. And uh, I'm going to give you a couple of how-tos. I don't know how many, uh, but I have a series of messages that I preached some years ago on how-to. And they're all available on Sermon Audio if you're looking for some very practical things, uh, that type of stuff. Uh, they're, they're on there. We just keep adding to it. And uh, so tonight I'm going to preach to you a message that I've entitled, How to Hear the Word of the Lord. How to Hear the Word of the Lord. The Bible says in the book of Jonah, chapter number one, he says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amatai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. Well, just a little over a week ago, we had our fall revival. Dr. Green was a blessing, wasn't he? Amen, he was. He was a blessing. We enjoyed him. The truths that he was able to share with us, uh, challenging uh, scripturally and uh, spiritually, we're thankful for that. I always try and dig into and get out whatever type of wisdom I can from guys that have had lots of years of experience. Uh, both men in our church and men that God brings to our church for times like that. Uh, I try and uh, give deference and respect to and, and learn what I can from men uh, that have been around a little while and done some things. So I'm always asking questions. Anyways, I talked to Brother Green last week and a little over a week ago and asked him, I said, how do you keep a good relationship with your wife? You're on the road all the time out of town, you know, you're, you're traveling. He's like, that's the secret, brother. <laughs> he says, I'm gone. We keep it fresh. Amen. Uh, no, he said, uh, jokingly, he said something like that. I don't know exactly why. He says, she put up with me all these years because she knows I'm going to be gone again in a week or two. Uh, but uh, no, he said, uh, really, uh, he said, I call her three times every day. He said, I call her every morning when we get up. I call her every afternoon at around five o'clock. And I call her every evening at around 10. He says, I say good morning. Just want to make sure you made it through the night. You know, he says, we talk a little while. Uh, I, I call her at 5 o'clock like as if I was home and I was coming in from the day. And just, hey, how did your day go? What happened today? What, what different things have you endured? How many, whatever happened? You know, we discuss the day. And then we call just before we go to bed. Spend a little time talking and say good night and close out the day together. Well, friend... When you are discussing a relationship, especially the relationship of the husband and wife, you know it takes good communication. As a matter of fact, that's probably the number one question uh, asked. Uh, even me as a pastor, as we have had uh, many months that we've taken an entire month and looked at the family, our focus on the family, and uh, I ask for topics that people would be interested. Uh, I taught a family class in Sunday school for six or eight weeks, and I said, what areas of study would people... The number one question or thing was, how do we communicate? 
uh, you know, how do we talk to each other? How do we handle conflict? How do we communicate through these situations? And, and communication is a, is a vital part of any relationship. Do you know that listening is just as important and maybe quite often more important than the talking part of communication? Is the listening part Oftentimes, us men struggle with that part. You know, we're real good about sharing our, our feelings or, or what we think on something, but how well are we listening? How well you listen to your mate can mean the difference between success and failure in your home. How well you listen to your boss could mean the difference between doing it right or doing it wrong at work. But, beloved, how well we listen to the word of the Lord is truly of utmost importance in our lives. Ian Bounds said, To hear the word of God is no small matter. It is our life. It is as milk to the babe, our God-appointed food by which we are to be nourished. It is not a lecture. It is not entertainment. It is not whiling away the hours but it is hearing the incorruptible word of God that liveth and abideth forever. The soul that receives this precious seed must truly be well prepared. Make no mistake, beloved, how we hear the word of God is important. And it truly is a privilege for us to hear the word of God. To think about it, the, the, the word of the Lord communicating to us, the God, the creator of the universe, the savior of our souls, spending time communicating with our hearts. Beloved, it's something that we should long for, something we should listen to, something we should love. Unlike Jonah, who heard the word of the Lord and rejected it. He says, now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah. This whole book, the book of Jonah, really is a, a tale told, and I don't, that word's not a good word because it's a true story. It's a story told about a man whom the word of the Lord came to, he rejected it, and the rest of the book is about the, what happened, the response. Of course, you know that he rejected it, and God had to reprove him. Jonah, being caught in the belly of a whale, Repented, and God miraculously restored him. Being restored to service, he went on and did what God had initially told him to do, and we see that a whole group of people were made righteous through the power of God. So the question tonight is, how do you hear the word of the Lord? Well, there's a couple truths, uh, three truths exactly, because every good message has three points, right? There's three truths. Uh, that I want to share with you about how you hear the word of the Lord. First of all, you have to be hungry. You have to be hungry. You have to want it. You have to open your ears and desire. You, you have to, you know, have your ears tuned to, to hear and listen. Psalms 1 says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. There is a delight that's there. There's a desire that's present. There's a, uh, boy, I sure want to hear it like the young man or the young lady who sit and talk on the phone uh, and, and spend innumerable amount of hours talking on the phone. And you ask them, what in the world are you talking about for that so long? And they don't even know 
They can't even tell you. That's not really what's that important. What is important is they're just talking together. They're just hearing each other's voice. They're just sharing. They're just communicating. There's a delight in it. Oh, I just longed to hear. Last night I came in the house and it was all quiet. And uh, I, I, you know, I was there earlier and there was a bunch of people around. And then I came in and it was all quiet. I was in the, the kitchen making up some cornbread for the ladies' thing. Doing some, I made four batches of cornbread. Wasn't happy with any of them. Uh, so I'm still experimenting <laughs> to figure out what, what mix of cornbread we want for tomorrow night. Uh, so... We're making up some cornbread, and I'm in there working on it, and then Alicia comes in. And I'm like, where have you been? She's like, oh, I was on the phone. With mom? <laughs> no, I knew she wasn't talking to mom. <laughs> no, she was, I was on the phone. Yeah, I was calling Stephen, spending some time. She delights in it. Do we delight? Do we hunger for or desire and want to hear the word of the Lord? Looking for it? Consider Think about this. Think about the origin of it. The word of the Lord. This phrase, the word of the Lord, appears 258 times in our Bible. The very first time it appears is in Genesis 15, verse number 1. He says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. What a great word from the Lord, amen? I'm your shield, I'm your exceeding great reward. Don't, don't fear, Abram. I'm here. I'm with you. I'm your shield. You're going to be taken care of. A word from God at a right time brings the encouragement and the strength that's needed. Let me just say as I throw this out that a word from the Lord is always going to be consistent with his character. God's not going to give you a word that is not in line with his character. God is holy, he's just, he's merciful, he's loving, he's faithful. God gets blamed for a lot of things that we do. With, well, I believe the Lord wants me to do this. Or I believe the Lord told me to take this step. Or Listen, don't, don't say that God led you or told you or spoke to you to do something that is inconsistent with his word, with his character with who he is as a person. People like to use this one. Well, God wants me to be happy. So he wouldn't expect me to stay with him. Because I'm not going to be happy saying, well, God wants you to be happy, but he wants you to get happy, amen? <laughs> he doesn't want you to just decide, well, I'm just going to exchange her for a new one. No, he wants you to get happy in line with his will and do what's right. God's not going to give you a word or tell you to do something that's out of character for him, for who he is as a God. Not only will a word from the Lord be consistent with his character, but it's going to be crystal in its clarity. He's not going to leave you wondering. And sometimes we get ourselves into trouble, friend, when we take a step or do something before we get a word from the Lord. Before we know what it is that God wants us to do. We take that step out of, uh, I have seen it many times with a young lady. It's more often the young lady because that aspiration and desire for her to be married, to have a mate is very strong and, and they get to the point where they just don't want to wait any longer. And... Somebody that doesn't 
you know, have enough character to blow the fuzz off a peanut comes by and all of a sudden they're in love. And all the authorities in her life, all the people with common sense are looking and telling her, listen, I don't know if this is a good guy. I'm not sure. He, this guy doesn't seem to be able to keep a job. This guy, he, he can't be faithful to church. This is not the guy you really want to, you know, spend your, I, oh, but he loves me. And before she gets a word from the Lord, before God gives her direction for her life, she's like, well, I think this would work. I think it'll be okay. I'm trying to make it happen. And they make it happen on their own instead of waiting for God. And they get into a big mess. What I'm saying is God will give you clarity. When you want to take a step for the Lord, when you're seeking his will, you're looking for a word from God, don't move until you have clarity. But when you have clarity, let me encourage you, what dad always said is don't doubt on your feet what God settled on your knees. And when God has given you clarity on your knees and you know that this is what God wants you to do, listen, when you start taking steps for God, how many of you know Satan's going to fight Satan's going to come up, and then all of a sudden you'll be thinking, I don't know if I should have done this. This is a little harder than I thought. But see, God told you to do it. That means go do it. That means it might be an uphill battle, but hey, God said this is what you want me to do, want you to do. I remember when I moved to Lawrence, Kansas, uh, we graduated from college, and I was there working and uh, serving in the church there and just waiting for the Lord's direction. And uh, I had this opportunity to go to Kansas and be an assistant pastor. And uh, I said, well, I told the guy uh, that was the pastor there, I said, listen, I don't know that I'm, uh, you know, called to be a pastor. Or I don't know that I've been called to, to preach the word of God. At this point, I just, I just know I'm willing and I want to serve God. And if you're okay with that, then I'm willing to pray about coming. And he said, I'm okay with that. And I said, okay, well, I'll pray about it. Well, I, I prayed about it, and I can tell you it was two weeks to the day that I got the phone call. It was Saturday night in men's prayer meeting there at the church, sitting down, kneeling with four other men in a basement room of the church. And God settled in my heart without question or hesitation. I knew, like I knew my name, that we were going to Kansas. I mean, I got up from that just so excited, that peace, that settled. I knew this is what God wanted me to do. I think I compare that decision to the one to marry my wife, that I knew that she was the one for me. I didn't have any doubt or hesitation about that. And I got up, and I went, and I told everybody, listen, God called me and told me we're, we're moving to Kansas. This is what we're going to do. And I, I told Mary, we got in the truck, we moved. But I've told you before, that first night in Kansas... I got there and I walked around the buildings and the property and the church and I'm like, what am I doing here? This is crazy. I mean, there's no way. Oh, there's so much work that needs to be done. Uh, I'm not sure that I can do this. And, and that phrase that dad always said, don't doubt on your feet what God settled on your knees came to my mind. And I'm walking around there and say, well, whatever it is, God let me hear it'll, it'll work out. And uh, listen, God will be clear with you. He'll give you clarity. Think about the object of the word from the Lord. It was a, He said, then the word of the Lord came to who? Jonah. You know, God wants to speak to you individually. Many times, and especially as pastor, and you know, I, I talk and tell illustrations like that where God spoke to me and I knew this is what I was supposed to do. I didn't doubt it. And, and people have come to me and says, I want that kind of clarity. I want to know God's will like that. How do I know that? 
How do I know that, you know, God told me to do this? Well, we're talking about that. That's what we're talking about, is how do you hear the word of the Lord? You have to long for it. You have to be hungry. But it was Jonah. He wants to speak to you. The question is, is are you a child of God? Have you been made spiritually alive? You know, uh, this idea just came to me here. I don't know. Uh, well, you know what? Let me see. No, that's not going to work. I was hoping I could illustrate this physically, but let me just talk to you about it. So, you know, if I had a uh, magnet, and I brought this magnet over here and put it on this, wouldn't do anything, would it? It's, it's not going to stick to that. Why? Because it's made up of the wrong properties. It doesn't have the right source or nature in it. You could go through here and, and, you know, I could, well, what about this songbook? Grab the bag and stick it on there. No, that's not going to do anything. No. But what if I tried to stick it to this metal post here? Yeah. Why? Because the properties are correct. What I'm saying is when you're a child of God, there's a connection there that is present. And God wants to reach down from the portals of heaven and speak to you and give you direction but you've got to delight in it. Look for it like a good food that you just enjoy and can't wait to get more of. Only the spiritual man is going to truly delight in the word of God. Because, I mean, think about it. You're thinking about the word of the Lord and this idea of delighting in it. We hear the word of the Lord many times in and through preaching, I mean, just think about, really, what's preaching supposed to do? Preaching is, by its nature, designed to reprove and to rebuke. Who in the world wants to sit and listen to that? <laughs> I mean, why, why would anybody do that? That doesn't even make sense. But the spiritual man looks for that. The spiritual man wants to hear that. Preaching involves both the mind and it moves the heart. Preaching exposes wrong and expounds on what is right. Preaching exposes foolishness and exhorts us to faithfulness. It really is only the spiritual man that's going to long to hear preaching. Psalms 85 verse 8 says, I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people. Do you hear what the Lord speaks? Do you long to hear it? Do you look? Do you come in looking and longing to hear what God says? The last part of it, for verse number eight, there says, "But let them not turn again to their folly." See, the word of the Lord is to turn us away from our folly. Are you, do you want to hear it, even if it's to point out and show you your folly? You know, many times people will ask for advice or look for direction on something, but they don't really want to hear the truth of the matter. What they want is somebody to agree with them. What they want is somebody to pat them on the back and say, you're doing good. They don't really want somebody to say, listen, here's a problem. Here is where you need to grow, or here's where you can improve. 
wait a minute, that's not, yeah, do we want to hear what the Lord has to say to us, even if he's going to point out our folly? Even if he's going to say, hey, this is where you need to change? Even if he's going to say, you need to quit this or move that? I remember when I was in college, I was working at Walmart. And uh, I, I, that was my first job. Started like the day after I turned 16. I went and started working at Walmart. Then when I went to college, I just transferred to Walmart in Indiana and kept on working there. I, was, I liked it because in the Chicago area, I got about a $2 an hour raise from Arkansas. That's where I left. So I went from Arkansas to Chicago and got a $2 an hour raise. I mean, that's awesome. Uh, but I really felt like God wanted me to uh, stop working at Walmart in college. See, here I am training for the ministry. And let me just say that I didn't believe God wanted me to quit working at Walmart because the job was hard or because they weren't paying me enough or because I had conflict with somebody at work because I didn't like my boss. These are, this is not why I felt the Lord wanted me to step down from working there. The reason is, is because here I was a young man and I was trying to study for the ministry and for six, eight hours a day, I'm listening to rock music. And as a teenager, I had a real appetite for that kind of stuff. So I knew all those songs that they were playing. It's real hard for me to get that stuff out of my mind when, it, when it's being pumped in there for six or eight hours a day at work. I also was about four, five, six blocks from Valparaiso University. And uh, there was these very attractive college girls coming in there all the time, wearing next to nothing. And here I am, a young man studying for the ministry and trying to live a pure, clean life. And, and these ladies, young ladies coming in there just all the time. And I said, listen, I can't be around all this all the time like this and have a right mind and get this worldliness out of my life and put a focus on the ministry and what the Lord wants me to do if I'm working here every day. And I just battled with it for, for really for several months. Finally, the Lord really made it clear that he wanted me to do that. And I went ahead and stepped down. And I don't have time tonight to go into the details, but God confirmed that decision in a miraculous way within uh, about 48 hours of me making the decision to do it and then continued to bless in, in, just in numerous ways uh, as the weeks and months went ahead. But it's just, I wasn't ready to make that change. I, I didn't have any other job lined up. I didn't have any other option. But uh, it was what the Lord was telling me, hey, you need to make this change in your life. Because this is not good for you. There was nothing sinful working at Walmart by itself. And maybe, like at this stage of my life, I probably could work at Walmart and be okay. It wouldn't be that big of a distraction to me. It wouldn't be that big of a... But as a young man, where I was at right then, and what I was battling with spiritually, it was not good for me. And I knew that. Until God said, you need to change. And I didn't know what I was going to do. I had to pay my college bill. But God made a way. So, do you desire to hear the word of the Lord? Are you hungry for it? Secondly, you need to be prepared. You need to be prepared. You could, you could say you need to be at hand or, or handy uh, if you want to alliterate it. But uh, really, we talked about this a little bit on Sunday. But you need to, your heart needs to be prepared to hear the word. Hard ground will not let the seed penetrate. If you've done no preparation and, and no planning, no prayer, no, no thinking, you know, uh, that's why we err at least once a year. 
because this, the, the water can't sink down into the grass. We, we have to go through and break that up a little bit so that the water it gets too packed down and the water just all runs off and then the grass is all brown. What preparation have you done to prepare your heart? You need to pay attention to his voice. I tell parents all the time, your kids should have ears that are tuned to your frequency. Your kids should respond to your voice. You know, a mother, we could have 10 mothers in here and 10 kids in the nursery. And one of those kids starts screaming. Only one of these ladies gets up. The rest of them know that ain't mine. <laughs> that's not my kid. Uh, the one who knows it's, their, oh, that's mine. I'll go. <laughs> uh, they'll get up and they'll go. They know it's their kid. They, their, their ears are tuned to that. Well, you know, you need to train your child to respond to your voice as a parent. It's just training. But when you call their name, and you should not have to yell at them, you don't have to raise your voice. Your, your kids should get more concerned when you get quieter. You need to discipline yourself. Don't raise your voice to your children. Communicate with them. But teach them to respond to your voice. And they say, well, I didn't hear you. I was playing. Nope. That is not an excuse. As a child, you should be listening for dad and mom's voice. And everything else gets silenced when that voice is there. What about us? Are we listening for the father's voice? How loud or how hard? I've often said about starting a Christian school that the Lord would have to hit me with a two before before I would ever start a Christian school. Because it's just, I've seen it. The, The work... The damage that it can do to the church, the, 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 a lot of times the tail wags the dog because the school's such a large five-day-a-week ministry. And Dad had a school for 44 years, and I went through it my whole life. And, and uh, I want to encourage and help parents to give their kids a Christian education. But I've said, man, the Lord, he, he would have to beat me over a head to get me to start a school. And uh, what I'm saying is that might not be a good thing. I really ought to be listening for, for the Lord's will, right? But we have things in our life like that. We're like, Lord, I ain't doing it. I mean, you're going to have to just about cripple me in order if, if I'm going to do that, right? Uh, just the Lord has to do so much to get our attention, to get, our, to get us to listen. Why do we have to go through that? I mean, so many times we, we have been in situations in our life. And, and of course, as a pastor, I, I have the opportunity to be there in those hours. And many times people have told me, I know why I'm here. I know why this happened. God's been trying to get my attention for a year. I know what's going on. Are you paying attention for his voice? Pray and ask God to speak to you. Psalms 119 verse number 18 says, Open thou mine eyes that I may behold the wondrous things out of thy law. A prayer. Lord, open mine eyes. You see, it takes a committed heart to see what's already there. He says, open thou mine eyes that I may behold the wondrous things out of thy law. Those wondrous things are there. To one person, it's, it's boring. To one person, it's, it's, it's dry. To one person, they look at it and they say, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't see what, it's nothing. There's nothing there. It's so empty and meaningless. But to another, it's the unsearchable riches of a matchless Savior. Why is that? It's the same book. It's the same words. It's the same God. The difference is the heart of the man. 
That's why. The condition of the soil. The heart attitude. So pray for yourself. Ask God to open your eyes that you may see those things. And pray for the preacher or the one sharing the word. 2 Thessalonians 3 verse number 1 says, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free chorus. Pray for us. The, the, Paul was saying, listen, pray that God's word will go forth in power. This is to your benefit. This is to your blessing. I mean, it'd be like, I, I oftentimes <laughs> really try and help husbands and wife understand the fact that they're one flesh. And, and as one flesh, when they hurt the other one, they really are hurting themselves. That it's to their benefit that their husband succeeds. If your husband's successful and succeeds, then that is a blessing to you. And, and opposite is true as well. And what I'm saying is to your benefit, if you pray for the man of God and he gets a message from heaven and brings it and preaches it in the power of God. It's to your benefit. We need to be praying that God would give the man of God or the preacher, whoever might be sharing the word of God with you, whether it's Brother Hunt on uh, Sunday school on Sunday mornings or myself or uh, Brother Tim Green here preaching, pray that God would give him the exact message and that he would deliver it in the spirit in which God wants it delivered. And that you would have ears to hear. So we need to have a prepared heart. Second, or lastly, this evening, we need to be humble. In Psalms 25, verses 8 and 9, he says, Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore will he teach sinners in the way. The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. You see, God is good. And it's good that he wants to teach us. He says that he will guide in judgment. That few words there literally comes from a uh, term resting in archery in the Hebrew, and it pictures the idea of bending the bow, of aiming the arrow, guiding, guiding the arrow, putting it where you want it to go. The word judgment is the act of deciding or making the decision. The Lord, beloved, will direct you like an archer directs an arrow. He will guide you with his judgment in your life. And he will teach you in his way. That word teach his way is to exercise in the way of, is to show you exactly what needs to be done. Uh, When you have a a sports trainer or you have a, a, a physical trainer they're there, but they're, they're, they're not just telling you what to do. They're showing you here, this is what you want to do. This is how you lift this. This is how you need to bend. This is how you stretch that muscle out. They're, they're teaching you. They're showing you. And that's what he's implying here, saying that God will do that for you and I. But we've got to be teachable. It takes somebody humble to be teachable. In that verse, number nine, two times in one verse, he says, the meek will he guide. The meek will he teach. We got to be teachable. Too often we come to God's house out of a fulfillment of duty instead of a desire to be taught. 
Do we really want God to show us something? Do we really want to learn? I'm thrilled about the level of participation that we have in the discipleship ministry. People of all different ages of, of spirituality. Some people saved just a very short time. Some been saved many, many years. And that's the spirit of teachability that, that allows somebody who's been saved many years not to just say, you know, Satan wants to say, oh, well, I've been in church a long time and I know that stuff already and I understand the basics, so I don't really need that. But can I tell you that we can all learn? We can all learn. It doesn't matter how long we've been at this thing. We can all learn something. We can all continue to grow. The word says, Thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he fall. Your pastor still needs to learn. Needs to learn how to lead. I need to learn how to love. I need to learn how to listen. I need to learn how to be a good father. I need to learn how to be a good husband. I need to learn how to be a good son. But I'm saying there's many, many things that we can all learn. But we need to be teachable if we're going to learn. Times a young man, he'll say, even somebody, I'll bet you, uh, Matthew Jr. is probably getting to this age right now where you'll start to show him something. And, and I mean, you barely even start. And the first thing he says, like, I know. <laughs> I know. So uh, many times to help them learn to be able to, to, to realize they don't know everything is when they do that, I know. And I'll say, okay, you do it then. Just step back. And then they'll be like, well, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> yeah, you don't know, do you? So you, don't, you shouldn't say that. But it doesn't stop there. We just get older, we just get bigger. Maybe more diplomatic in our answers. But... It's something we all need to work on to be teachable. You know, beloved, even the best teacher in the world can't help a child that will not be taught. But the worst teacher in the world can help a child that wants to learn. You know, sometimes people come into the church here and they're very gracious and kind and they have kind words to me and they say, boy, you're such an amazing expounder of the scriptures and I'm learning so much. And what I know is really it's because they're hungry. It's because their heart is longing for the word of God and the spirit of God is going to feed a hungry soul. It's not really about me. It's not really about a skill that I, that I, I know who they're talking to. <laughs> but I know they're hungry. They want it. They're ready to learn. They're ready to listen. You know, I can't help but think about some people in the Bible who were not teachable. You remember how Saul required of David his music, but he rejected Samuel's words. 
You see, when God's people are more interested in praise than they are preaching, we're in trouble. He wanted to hear the music of David. He wanted that that music to calm his soul and calm his spirit, but he didn't want to hear the word of the Lord. He didn't want to hear the message from the prophet Samuel. I think of the children of Israel in Egypt. The Egyptians were there and they had gone through several plagues already. You talk about a hard-headed man. You think, how in the world could Pharaoh go through all of those things, one after another, one after another, and just not... He gets to number 7, and, and in Exodus chapter 9, and verse 21, it says, And he that regarded not the word of the Lord left his servants and his cattle in the field. This was the... Number 7 was the hail. And the Lord warned them. The Lord sent out a message and said, Hey... Get all your servants and all your cattle, get everything out of the field, bring it into the barns, bring it into the house, because anything left in the field is going to die. And it says right here, and they that regarded not the word of the Lord left his servants and his cattle in the field. You can read down a few more verses and you find that they all died. They regarded not the word. The word of the Lord came, but they said, oh, no, I, I, I don't want that. I'm not ready to hear that. You see, the word of the Lord demands a decision. You and I are faced with being obedient or rebellious. That's what preaching is supposed to do. Bring us to the place where we respond or reject what God said. And I tell you, how do you hear the word of the Lord? You respond when the Lord speaks. Because when you reject, you put yourself in a bad place. Your response to the word of the Lord today will have a direct impact on his communication tomorrow. We see in Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, this familiar story. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. He said unto him, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish, and he paid the fare thereof, and he went down into it. We know that he tried to flee from the very presence of the Lord. You know the story. You know what happened. We don't have to go over that again. But if you're in the book of Jonah, would you look at chapter number 3? Jonah chapter number 3 and the first three verses of that chapter. He says, And the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go into Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went. I'm thankful that the Lord sends his word a second time. That there's a second time. But when we disregard the word of the Lord, we put ourselves in a bad place. Jonah had to be swallowed by a whale. He wasn't guaranteed that second time. That could have been the end of it for him. You know, the Bible talks about a group of people that reject the word of the Lord over and over again and, and the book of Romans there. And he says, God gives them up. 
and turns them over to a reprobate mind where they will no longer hear the word of the Lord. As the pianist comes and prepares for the invitation tonight, I want to just share this story with you and I'll close. Aaron Burr, the third vice president of the United States, was, regarded, was, was raised or reared in a Christian home. He was admonished and encouraged to accept the Lord as a Savior as a young man by his grandfather, Jonathan Edwards. But he refused to listen. Instead, he declared that he wanted nothing to do with God and said that he wished that the Lord would leave him alone. One night after a tent revival meeting in Princeton University, he went home under great conviction. That night, instead of responding to God, he rejected him and he said... God, I know you're speaking to my heart today, but I do not want you to bother me again. If you will stop bothering me, I will never bother you. Aaron Burr did did achieve some level of political success in his life, but his life was defined by contentious strife. By his own words, the last 30 years of his life were very unhappy and unproductive years. And it was during this sad chapter of his life that he declared to a group of friends, 60 years ago, I told God if he would let me alone, I would let him alone. God has not bothered me since. But I'm saying, beloved, is when we reject the word of the Lord, time may come where he stops speaking. We want to hear the word of the Lord. We need to respond and do what God asks of us.